0: Nine nine five gold. That's eight three three nine nine five gold. Eight three three nine nine five G O L D.
1: Hey, it's Danielle, Will, and Ryder from Pod Meets World. Thanks to our friends at Hyundai, we were able to record a very special episode for you guys at the one and only. Wait for it. Boy Meets, Boy Meets World House. House. Take a listen. Are there any moments or spots on any of the sets we worked on over the seven years that you guys felt more at home that were like your little spots on the set you like to hang out?
2: I'm afraid it was the sink. Oh really? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> you had to act a sink a lot. Yeah. I was behind the counter. Yeah. Right.
3: Doing business constantly. uh uh-huh. Mom stuff.
2: Uh-huh. disciplining you
3: <laughs> in Amazing. some way. This has been brought to you by the fully
4: electric Hyundai Ioniq 5. New episode out now. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts.
3: If you're a firearms enthusiast like I am, or you have one in your life, let me tell you about the industry's best kept secret, Bear Creek Arsenal. This is a veteran owned and operated gun manufacturer, Bear Creek Arsenal that is, based in Sanford, North Carolina. They make high quality firearms at an incredible value. Learn more about Bear Creek Arsenal at bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck. Use promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. One more time, bearcreekarsenal.com slash buck and promo code buck to get 10% off your first order. Welcome to
5: today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. And greetings to you, music lovers, thrill seekers, conversationalists all across the fruited plain. Rush Limbaugh back at it. The Excellence in Broadcasting Network, a um, great day to be back, folks. Thank you so much. I apologize for being out. I, I, I remember mentioning at the very beginning of this that there were going to be random days where I would just need to take off. And the last couple have been in that category. I've had some medical challenges, but uh, that was to be expected, dealing with them. Um, Every day remains a gift and I I, I wake up every morning and I thank God that I did. And there will probably be down the road similar type days where I will need to take a day for rest or for whatever medical challenges present themselves. But the fact that I'm able to get back here and be with you is a genuine blessing and I appreciate it and I appreciate your your understanding uh, throughout, uh, throughout all of this, uh, as, as we say, uh, everything's day-to-day, and especially in the circumstances I find myself in. Everything is day-to-day, and you strive to make uh, every day the best it can be, and that's exactly what I'm doing. So I appreciate your understanding and your patience, and here we are, revved and ready to go for another three hours of broadcast excellence. I'm going to violate one of my, one of my rules here. Uh, one of my rules is that when I am discussed in the drive-by media, when I'm talked about, when I am slandered or libeled or misrepresented, I have always come down on the side of ignoring it rather than discussing it because discussing it amplifies it and makes it even bigger than it already is. But that is a moot point because in this circumstance they're already making it bigger than it should have ever been and it's chock full of misrepresentations and lies. And so rather than sit here and ignore this and allow people to draw whatever conclusion they do, I'm going to I'm going to deal with this head on. And what this is is this supposed allegation that I am somehow in favor of secession. That I am in favor of a civil war. That I have predicted a civil war. That I have suggested that maybe it would just be better if we divided the country. I have not said this. I have acknowledged that I have seen other people say it. I have not mentioned their names, since they obviously do not want to step forward and own it. But they know who they are. They are bloggers. They are prominent bloggers. There are two or three of them who have numerous times suggested that secession may be in our future because we don't have anything in common anymore. The things that divide us have no overlap. All I've done is simply repeat what I have read. And as I, you know, I I always take great pains to protect people's privacy and their identity, even though they're writing under their own names and saying, so I have, I have not mentioned any names because I know how volatile the subject is. But I do a three-hour radio program. That's a lot of content that, uh, that exists here. And there are uh, many, many days where that content yearns to be discussed. So I do. Now, one of the reasons that I usually do not mention these kind of things is because there's a theory. Oh, wow. Limbaugh must really be upset. Now he's talking about it. No, it must have really hit a home run. Limbaugh must really be in favor. Of- no, it's not that at all. It's just I'm sick and tired of being lied about and, and, and misrepresented when the people doing it know. They know I am not in favor of secession. They cannot find a single quote of mine where I'm in favor of it. So let's go to the audio sound bites. I'll show you what I mean. We put together a montage here from last Wednesday and Thursday. And I, I'm not going to mention the names of the doofuses in this montage, but here is how it sounded elsewhere in the media last, uh, let's see, last Wednesday and Thursday.
1: Rush Limbaugh, now he's denying that he was actually in favor of
0: secession, but he's playing with fire.
5: Rush Limbaugh talking about secession. Rush Limbaugh trial ballooning Civil War or secession.
0: They're calling for military action. We've seen
2: Rush
3: Limbaugh do this. No, Rush you have The godfather of this sort of political rhetoric introduced it and then said, oh, I was just talking about it. Secession is treason. Rush Limbaugh, that talk is reckless. It's irresponsible. It is
5: reckless and irresponsible. I never suggested it. I'm simply telling you what other people are saying. And uh, no, I'm not going to quote these other people, but they know who they are. You know, I find it fascinating when this kind of stuff happens. This is by no means the first time I have been accused of saying something where I have simply been repeating what I've said or or seen other people say. And they do not step forward and raise their hands and say, I said it. I'm the one that said it. They're out there hiding. But they know who they are. Okay, so that's one montage. Then Thursday night on Fox... This is the story with Martha McCallum. She had Geraldo, the Grim Reaper, showed up. You know, when Geraldo shows up, somebody's going to die or has died. And she was talking to Geraldo about my comments that the United States may be heading toward secession. So to set things up, here she is introducing and playing an audio clip of mine.
2: Even Rush Limbaugh warning that he thinks we might be headed in a dangerous direction an actual separation of the states.
5: I actually think that we're trending toward secession. Can't go on this way. There cannot be a peaceful coexistence of two completely different theories of life, theories of government, theories of how we manage our affairs. We can't be in this dire a conflict without something giving somewhere along the way
2: that's a profound and challenging statement for our nation right now.
5: Well, it's it's a profound and challenging statement because all kinds of people are talking about it. And by the way, have been writing about it for a number of uh, multiple weeks. This is not anything that's actually even new. Yeah, you know, I actually think we might be trending toward it. I said that because I'm reading about it. I'm reading people who, by the way, I've quoted before on this program and who I respect, they're out there saying it. They're out there suggesting And by the way, when they say it, they don't just say it. They back it up with their own theories of why. And I'm fascinated when they write it on their blog. Nobody writes about it. Nobody says, hey, did you see what uh, was said on the such-and-such blog? No, no, no. They wait till I repeat it and then somehow claim it originated with me. Um, So after she set that up, she then went to the Grim Reaper... Arolo Rivera for his reaction.
3: Talk of secession is treason. Rush Limbaugh is a a powerhouse broadcaster. He's one in a zillion. They come along once a generation. But that talk is is reckless. It's irresponsible. We are one nation indivisible. I had a laugh. Uh, Rush goes on to say that people uh, where he is have no idea what people in New York are thinking. They're so different. They're like a different species. Half of New York lives in Florida where Rush Limbaugh lives. It's preposterous leaders who... Accentuate the differences and exacerbate the
5: divide are themselves responsible. I didn't accentuate or exacerbate it at all. I didn't originate it. It's something that is out there and being discussed by others. Now, here's here's Martha McCallum reacting to the Grim Reaper.
2: That's a strong charge, and it is, as I said, it's, it's a discussion that I think is being had in a lot of places. There's a piece by the Claremont Institute recently called The Separation, which talks about this. I mean, nobody wants this to be the case, and I'm sure that Rush doesn't want secession to be where the country is headed.
5: Of course not. But see, she found that she's she's wanting to quote a place that talked about it—the separation. That's from the Claremont Institute. The Claremont Institute is a very highly reputed conservative think tank and uh, library. I mean, it is a library of conservative philosophy and thought, and they are discussing it there. So Martha did something that nobody else in the media did. She went out and actually listened to this program. And she found an audio soundbite of me that is appropriate to use and fits based on what all had been discussed on her program. So the comments prior to this were Thursday night. On Friday, she played a clip. Now imagine if the rest of the media cared about getting things right. She wouldn't be the only one to have found this. This
2: is Rush Limbaugh because last night uh, Geraldo sort of uh, went after him for talking about the secession statement. I just want to play this real quick for everybody at home.
5: I simply referenced what I have seen other people say about how we are incompatible as currently divided and that secession is something that people are speculating about. I am not advocating it, have not advocated it, never have advocated it. And probably wouldn't.
2: Just wanted to square the circle on that and make sure that we gave Rush his due uh, by playing that part of it.
5: So thank you, Martha, for the uh, deep digging uh, into the archives of the program to find something that was readily available for anybody that wanted to uh, to find it. Now, I don't expect this to change anything. What's going to happen is... Is that uh, these same critics? Ha ha! See, we got him. We caught Rush. Rush. Rush knows he's because he's trying to change what he said. But they're gonna—they're totally distort the whole thing again. Uh, because I represent the opposition. I am the opposite. If you—if you somehow uh, come along and damage my credibility, then they think they've damaged the credibility of the entire opposition and so forth. Which is why. All of this stuff happens. There's one more. I think I have one more. Maybe two food.
6: three.
5: maybe a couple more. Let's let's. This is this is from uh, Sunday morning on Meet the Depressed during the roundtable and a discussion about people on the right talking about secession and the moderator is F. Chuck Todd. He's talking to the Hoover Institute senior fellow Lonnie Chen,
3: who said this. Russ Limbaugh. The godfather of this sort of political rhetoric that we're dealing with these days also introduced it and then said, Wait a oh, was minute. Just
5: Wait talking. a minute. Stop. The godfather of what? The 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 godfather of this political rhetoric that we are talking about these days. The godfather of this political all right. Well, here, cue it back up to the top. let i promise I won't interrupt the soundbite again. Here we Rush go. Rush
3: Limbaugh, the godfather of this sort of political rhetoric, godfather. That we're with these what the days, hell? Did you- also introduced it and then said, "Oh, I was just talking about it." talk about
1: secession and the like is nonsense and it's dangerous you talk about going against federalism going against the notion that you should ask the judiciary to be activist in overturning the will of the people i mean these are the kinds of things chuck growing up in the republican party to me would have been fundamentally offensive but you've got a bunch of people who are out there making this crazy argument essentially to politically appease one man and to politically appease their electorate instead of explaining to them hey look Here's the reason why this is madness.
5: Why what is madness? I'm not sure I know what Lonnie Chen is talking about here. I always thought the Hoover Institute was a conservative place. But it seems that they're getting rid of all the conservative thinking out there and replacing it with a bunch of rhino-type thinking. At least that's what it seems to me. Um, at any rate, this, this is... Uh, The the, the same people who lied about Russian collusion and Trump stealing the election in 2016, the same people lying about me now. So that's that. I just wanted to set the record straight. I know it's not going to set anything straight. It's going to accomplish the exact opposite. But what, what matters to me is you people in the audience and you understanding what's what uh, and, and what I mean when I say what I mean. I am a preeminent communicator. I don't leave anybody in doubt as to what I mean when I say anything. I'm perhaps the most direct communicator. I, I, I do not speak in riddles uh, at, at all. And believe me, if, if I were in favor of secession, you would have no doubt about. It. You would have not, you wouldn't doubt it for a minute. I just uh, – the divisions in this country that exist uh, are largely because of people on the left anyway. So if, if there is anybody out there moving toward a drifting apart or a division of people in this country, it's people on the left. It isn't us. Okay, uh See, do I have time to get this next bite? No, Let me take a brief break. We'll do that. We'll come back. I've got Rachel Maddow here trying to explain the magic of Rush Limbaugh, but I'm not quite sure I understand it even reading the transcript. Let's see. This is last Thursday, Comedy Central, The Daily Show. Trevor Noah is the is the. This is the the former show hosted by uh, John John Stewart and Rachel Maddow is the guest and the question to Rachel Maddow from Trevor Noah is there something that liberals and Democrats are missing in America in learning how to communicate with people and convincing them of ideas ah you know that question is actually more profound than this guy understands do you know the difference in persuasion and convincing you know the difference It's a big difference. And he asks it right here in this. There's something liberals and Democrats are missing in America in learning how to communicate with people and convincing them. You don't want to convince people. You want them to figure it out on their own. You want to persuade, not convince. Anyway, what he's talking about here is the magic of conservative media and how the left cannot beat us. They can't beat us in talk radio no matter how they try. And he wants to know what Maddow's theory is. And she gets it spectacularly wrong.
2: I was also part of this experiment where liberals tried to do AM talk radio uh, with Air America Radio for a long time. And it was at that point, AM talk radio was basically in a foreign language or sports or church or rush limbaugh (laughs) like that was that was you know we tried and it didn't work and so i have thought about this a lot i do think that there is something that is a little bit magic about the right-wing media that the left-wing media will never do and that i think liberals and centrists will never do which is that they tell their audience you can trust no one other than me there are no facts Uh, other than those that i am giving to you uh, this
5: is so spectacularly wrong This also illustrates why they don't understand Trump. They don't understand the bond that Trump has, the connection he has with his voters, his base, his audience, or what have you. And they certainly don't understand the success of talk radio, conservative talk radio. Uh, Air America, they were clueless from the beginning. They treated it as a fundraising operation. They didn't treat it as a commercial business. They had no idea. They don't know how to make a profit. It's not even part of their, their, their lexicon. Profits—a dirty word. Everything is fundraising to them, and they have—they have no clue about building an audience and holding it, and uh, and and creating credibility with the audience. This idea that we sit here and tell you, look, there's one set of facts. It's what I'm telling you, and there's nothing else that's true. That's not at all what happens here or anywhere else. In conservative media, we just have the. Ability born of honesty to connect with people. I mean, if there's any group of people out there which is telling their audience, you can trust no one other than me, what the hell have we been through for the past four years? With mainstream media lying through their teeth multiple times a day about anything and everything having to do with Donald Trump. And conservative media. So... They never did understand the success. They thought all they had to do was go on the air, that all they had was going to go out and get some fundraisers and get some donors and uh, be up and running. And they had literally no clue how to build an audience, how to create an audience, how to connect with, uh, with an audience at all. So now they, they look at conservative media as something they can't beat – And there's got to be something, got to be some kind of magic. It's got to be something that we would never do. It's got to be something so low. It's got to be something so beneath our dignity that we would never do. And what did they decide it is? Well, we have our own set of facts. And then we tell you that whatever we tell you is all there is. There is no alternative. What they don't get is that I do a better job of of presenting both sides of any issue than they ever will. Because I am into persuasion. I am attempting to get people to think and conclude the proper thing. Not by convincing them of anything, but by persuading. Quick time out. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. My friends, as busy as you are with holiday shopping... Multiply that by everybody else doing the same online shopping. Now, imagine all the credit card and account information being put into company databases as all of those purchases are made. That's your information, everybody else's information in those databases. And just one good cyber attack, one stolen database, and an online hacker is set for life financially. Your online information might be swept up in such an attack, and it could be weeks or months before you even know about it. Some of the people that get hacked like this do not announce it for months. So your database or your data could be in the hands of bad guys being bought and sold all over the dark web before you even know about it. Then you start seeing mysterious charges show up. Wait a minute. I didn't buy that. There's a way to prevent this. LifeLock LifeLock's online identity theft protection protects you by monitoring billions of transactions every day looking for evidence of illegal activity. And if if LifeLock sees your name mixed up in the wrong ways, they get in touch with you. They ask you if you are in 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 engaging in this behavior, if you're making that purchase, did you open that account or whatever. If you say nope, it's not me, they get into gear faster than you can snap your fingers now no one company can prevent all identity theft but lifelock has the online systems in place better than anybody a league all of their own they've got a full restoration team that does nothing but fix the mess they don't stop until the mess is fixed if something happens to you so get protected online you're going to need this some point down the road lifelock.com use my name And save 25% off your first year's membership at lifelock.com. It's that simple. Okay, let's start on the phones. This is Carol. Carol's in Steubenville, Ohio. I'm glad you called, sir. Hello.
1: Hello, sir. Um, Many dittos and also lots of prayers for you and your family.
5: Thank you very much.
1: I wanted to talk about the uh, the recent court cases, and especially the Supreme Court uh, case with Texas, and the kinds of precedent it's setting for election lawsuits. Basically, um, I'm of the opinion, I've been following these things a lot, and it seems that no one's really willing to hear the case on the merits. They basically kind of suggest that, well, we don't have jurisdiction, or we don't have an acceptable remedy, or the case is moot, or the person doesn't have standing. I'm kind of wondering, are they basically all saying that it's impossible to bring an election lawsuit because it's just impossible to bring an election lawsuit on the merits?
5: Um, no, I don't think that's what they're saying because if it's a case they wanted to take, they would take it. I, I think, uh, you know, I, a friend of mine sent me a note uh, after the Texas after the Supreme Court refused to hear the Texas case. And the note is, Supreme Court just said that a state that cheats in a national election, which screws everybody in the nation, is the only entity that's allowed to do anything about it, that's asinine. It's like saying the only person who can prosecute a murder is the murderer. His point is, the Supreme Court said, we cannot allow one state to start suing other states uh, because it would soon be out of control and so forth. I I think there's a common denominator in all this that people... um, I mean, you know this, but you may not have put it in your... Uh, equation. This is strictly about getting rid of Donald Trump. There, there isn't an entity in the in the in the uh, American deep state, Washington establishment, whatever, that doesn't want to get rid of Donald Trump, including enough justices on the Supreme Court. And I, I, I don't, I, I think it's it's there, there's some additional reasons why, and the court gave its its uh, its reasons, but at the, the, the Bottom line is that this is the best chance they've ever had to get rid of Trump, and they're not going to hear these cases. They want him gone. It's no more, in my humble estimation, no more complicated than that. The precedents that are being set, precedents are made to be broken. Supreme Court can break whatever precedent it wants, anytime it wants, down the line, depending on if they get a case that they, that they want to hear, if they get a case that they want to decide. Okay. Thank you, sir. You bet. I'm glad you called up there, Carol. Here's... Uh, <clears throat> I guess, uh, which one? Uh, Ed in Pittsburgh, you're next. Welcome to the EIB Network. Hello.
4: Hey, Rush. Mega dittos, mega prayers, bud. I I heard Mitch McConnell this morning congratulating Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on their win. And, you know, it just, I have to tell you, it just sickens me, Rush. When I hear these career politicians congratulating each other on their many, many years of, quote, public service, as they all accumulate and you know millions and millions of dollars before they leave, and that 's called public service I, I, I'm just, it just doesn 't make any sense to me at all and it just kind of enrages me that they keep doing that. They call each other public servants wait a minute, even when they 're making millions and millions of dollars wait wait wait
5: wait what, what is making millions and millions of dollars have to do with what what McConnell said, congratulating Biden.
4: Well, he was congratulating him all these years of public service, and and quite honestly, Rush, you know what else sounds to me like? Hey, we're putting the swamp back. Oh, together. oh, Go oh, forward. okay.
5: Look, I've got I've got the audio soundbite here. Let's listen to uh, let's listen to the the turtle. This was on the Senate floor today. Mitch McConnell speaking about the Electoral College. But look, this is the same answer I just gave the previous caller. If you if you have taken a look at at uh, the news, you will see that this statement by McConnell is being reported as Trump conceding. McConnell did it for him. McConnell has sewn it up. McConnell has finally acknowledged that Trump lost, even if Trump won't. That's how this is being portrayed. This is what McConnell said.
1: The Electoral College has spoken. So today I want to congratulate President-elect Joe Biden. The President-elect is no stranger to the Senate. He's devoted himself to public service. For many years. I also want to congratulate the vice president-elect, our colleague from California, Senator Harris. Beyond our differences, all Americans can take pride that our nation has a female vice president-elect for the very first time.
5: And so there you have it. And that, that suffices uh, for a Trump, or as a Trump concession, in terms of the way it's being reported by the, uh, the media. Even though Trump hasn't conceded anything They are reporting that McConnell effectively did it for him. Now, your comment about public service and the fact that these people— you're you're talking Biden and and uh, and Hunter—I got to tell you, you know, it's 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 amazing. There are there are at least four separate federal criminal investigations of the Biden family going on right now. You know, people about to move into the White House. There are four separate federal criminal investigations that resulted from Joe Biden's years and years and years of quote-unquote public service. And here's Mitch McConnell congratulating him on all those years of public service. Here's some headlines. Hunter Biden raked in $6 million in nine months from communist Chinese dealings, not including the 2.8-carat diamond that he got as a gift. Hunter Biden failed to disclose $400,000 in Burisma payments. Biden is poised to hand Republicans an incredible tool to investigate the Hunter corruption scandal. And Joe Biden deflects questions from the press, stays silent on criminal investigation of Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden himself says the U.S. Attorney's Office is investigating his tax affairs. He said... I learned yesterday for the first time the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware advised my lawyer also yesterday that they are investigating my tax affairs. So where was all of this before the election? Well, it was there. It just wasn't reported by the people who are reporting it now. So why are the people who didn't report this before the election reporting it now? Well, my friends, I have explained this on previous editions of this program. Remember, the, my theory is the ultimate objective is to get Biden replaced um, as soon as feasible. They want Kamala in there for a whole host of reasons. But even if they did, even, even if uh, I'm wrong about that, There is another theory, and it is the people in the deep state, the FBI, the intelligence community. Look at what they've got on Biden now. I mean, the intelligence community, they want to be the first to meet with every president every day. They want to have access. They now have the means of, I mean, they they can tell Biden what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Otherwise, they go public with all this. Otherwise, they make hay out of it. The fact that they have this data, the fact that they're letting Biden know and everybody know on his team that this supposed uh, criminal activity is something they are keeping an eye on is the best way they have of controlling it. It's the best way they have of having the executive branch do what these people in the other regions of the executive branch want done. So the difference here is, rather than use this before the election as a means of maybe casting doubt on Biden's competence and his credibility, they hold it. They hold on to the information and use it after he's elected as a means of controlling him. And that's where we are right now. And that's why all of a sudden these headlines are popping up everywhere. And that's why all of a sudden everywhere, all the details about all this stuff, which you and I knew before the election, because of Bob Alinsky and some of the other people, the mainstream media never reported any of it. They're only reporting it now, after the election. This is done so as to maintain a level of control over Biden as he assumes orifice uh, next month. Be right back, folks. Stay with Going to get back to the phones in just a second, but before we do, grab audio soundbite number 10A. Mitch McConnell, the turtle, was soundbite number 10. John Harwood today on CNN's newsroom, and he was on with Jim Sciutto, who said, Moments before Senate Majority Leader, the turtle, made those comments on the Senate floor calling Biden president-elect for the first time. President Trump continued to tweet out baseless conspiracy theory attacks about the stolen election. Do you have any reaction from the White House on this yet, from what the turtle did? And if not, how do you think the president handles what the turtle did?
1: President Trump has the power to sink those two incumbent Republican senators if he wants to by discouraging his people from supporting them. Kelly Loeffler... The appointed senator david Perdue, the elected senator the president has the capacity to take away mitch mcconnell's job as majority leader if he sinks those two is he willing
5: to do it uh yeah i think these people think that he is so just to to, to, to explain this so mcconnell goes out and basically says for the first time anywhere in the republican party Joe Biden's president-elect. Congratulations, Mr. President. By the way, congratulations, Kami Harris. The American people are happy to see the first ever woman elected vice president. That's great. Whis is so happy we're also happy. So Trump watches this. Trump gets mad. Trump says, oh, turtle, you like being the leader of the Senate? Well, I'm going to take it away from you. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to suggest to Republican voters in Georgia that they not support Kelly Loeffler. And, uh, and, and Purdue, and thereby the Democrats are going to own the government, and they're going to own the Senate, and therefore you will have nothing to be leader of. That's what Harwood is suggesting Trump can do as a reaction to McConnell essentially uh, acknowledging for the Republican Party that Biden is official. Here's uh, here's Jim in Astoria, Oregon. Jim, great to have you on the EIB network. Hello.
1: Oh,
4: mega ditto's rush. Yesterday was my birthday, and today I get my present. Uh,
5: well, but, thank you very much. I appreciate you. You
4: know, you know, there are sixty million people praying for you and your family, and me especially.
5: I really but, appreciate that too more than you know. But but what I wanted to say was uh, back
4: in April, two thousand seventeen. Uh, California was uh, entering articles of uh, secession into their legislature. So I don't understand what's the big deal Well, if anyone did say. Yes, you do. Uh, and you know
5: what? I, the reason I wanted to take your call, we bumped you up in the order because I just found this story uh, in one of the recent breaks. And here it is. It's actually, this is a, uh, uh, a web page. It's from November 10th, 2016. This is just a week after the election. This is a week after Trump won. One week, seven days. California secession plan gains momentum after Trump win. Californians made it abundantly clear Tuesday night. They didn't want to see Donald Trump in the White House, overwhelmingly voting for Hillary Clinton. Now, disappointed with Trump's victory, they're seeking another way out. A group of secessionists is taking advantage of post-election discontent to push for Calexit, the new name for the prospect of California seceding from the U.S. It's modeled after Brexit, Britain's historic decision to leave the European Union. Discussion of the idea exploded Wednesday on Twitter, and nowhere to be found was Geraldo Rivera calling it traitorous. Nowhere to be found was Geraldo Rivera suggesting that it was treasonous. Right here, my formerly nicotine stained fingers, the state of California, the headline, California Secession Plan Gains Momentum After Trump Win. There wasn't a single complaint. There wasn't any righteous hand wringing. There wasn't it. Oh my God! This is outrageous. California needs to be so ashamed of themselves. California, this is treasonous. California, this is outrageous. How dare you suggest such a thing? This is there was none of that. And New York has talked about secession as well, off and on for decades. I guess it's I guess it's cute uh, when New York does. I guess it's cute when California does it right here November 10th 2016 it was the election wasn't even a week old ladies and gentlemen so Jim in Astoria Oregon great memory I'm glad you called we'll take a brief break and be back and continue right after this Bill Gates was on CNN recently with uh, with Jake Tapper the topic was the pandemic and Bill Gates spoke about how bad the winter wave of coronas, a coronavirus outbreak is going to be, and basically said that we need to shut down bars and restaurants. It just needs to happen, and uh, need to shut them down for six months minimum. So here we have a billionaire telling a reporter at CNN that we need to keep closing down businesses, and nobody says anything. There's no, nobody challenges it. Nobody disagrees. Nobody. Why are we listening to Bill Gates? What in the world has Gates done? Where is his expertise on this? You know, he, Bill Gates could withstand being shut down for 10 years. But these bars and restaurants, these owners can't do this. They'd be destroyed. They'd be wiped out.
0: Up to $100. Download the Prize Picks app. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, to get set up and get a deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy.
5: The views expressed by the host on this program documented to be almost always right. 99.8% of the time. Great to have you here with us, my friends. Rush Limbaugh back at it. Again, um... Uh, Just wanted to, to, to remind everybody that there are going to be days where I'm not going to be able to get in and I I've, I've mentioned that at the uh, at the very outset of this back in uh, in January and February um, and as, as time goes on there there are medical challenges that present themselves and that have to be dealt with and some of them you know pop up as a surprise some of them are predictable uh, but I, I continue to look at this. And live this as a day-to-day proposition. You know, it's—I've said it enough times—it becomes a cliche that um, I wake up every morning and thank God that I did. But you know, it, it's not a cliche; it absolutely happens to be the truth. And so, the bottom line is that every day is a gift. And uh, even on those days where I'm not able to get here, realize that that I wish I could be, and that uh, when those days occur, that I will I will do what I can to get back as quickly as uh, as is possible. I want to go back to this this Bill Gates business because look at this. To set this up, let me share with you another story that I have here in my formerly nicotine stained finger. Story dated uh, December 11th. Oh, by the way, that was four days ago, and it's my brother's birthday, and I was not able to wish him a happy birthday publicly here uh, behind the golden EIB microphone. So I'm doing it now. Happy birthday, Dave! Dave, the brother is uh, uh, just a couple years younger than I am, and he's uh, uh, he's doing great. And he had a had a birthday last Friday, and I wanted to make sure to acknowledge it. So, happy birthday! Many more, as many more as you want. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when hydroxychloroquine was a kook theory from a kook president. Now, all of a sudden, it is amazing the things that are happening after an election where this kook, this so-called kook, Donald Trump, is lost Allegedly lost. Look at all the things. Now, all of a sudden, the AMA, although very quietly, that hydroxychloroquine is okay. It's perfectly fine. Go ahead and use it if you want. It can be helpful. Now, how many people do you think, we'll never know, How many people do you think died needlessly because they were sent home to ride it out or were afraid to go to the doctor or were afraid to take hydroxychloroquine because what they were hearing about it in the drive-by media? Now, if if you doubt the corruption in the numbers of COVID cases, consider that the AMA, the American Medical Association, lied to us about using hydroxychloroquine. Here's the headline. AMA rescinds previous statement against prescription of hydroxychloroquine to COVID-19 patients. The AMA, in a surprising move, has officially rescinded, for those of you in real, Linda, that means they've taken it back, A previous statement against the use of hydroxychloroquine in the treatment of COVID-19 patients, giving doctors the okay to return to utilizing the medication at their discretion. Wait a minute. Well, I remember when we were told that this stuff could kill you. Do you remember, in fact, when Trump talked about hydroxychloroquine during, uh, oh, I forgot. Was it when he had it? When he had COVID nineteen, or was it before? Might have been before. Who was it that it was on television that went nuts, saying, "Mr. President, you're killing people. You're killing people. You're asking people to die." Who was it? It was some prominent cable news person that accused Trump of killing people by suggesting that hydroxychloroquine was okay to use. I can't remember who it was, but it'll come to me. But now it's perfectly fine. You see, previously, the AMA had issued a statement in March, way back at the beginning of this, that was highly critical of hydroxychloroquine in regards to its use as a proposed treatment by some doctors in the early stages of COVID-19. In addition to discouraging doctors from ordering it in bulk, they suggested that there was no reason to prescribe it that it could kill, that it could seriously damage. And now now that Trump is gone, they think, now that Trump is Feeny, oh, guess what? Hydroxychloroquine, perfectly fine to use. Which takes me back to this Bill Gates story. Bill Gates was on CNN with Jake Tapper, and they were talking about the coronavirus pandemic. Let You know what? Let me very quickly yeah, I thought we had the soundbite. Let me go let me let me get the actual sound bites, the transcripts up here. Where I can, here we go. All right. Uh, here we go. This is, I guess it's Sunday morning. State of the Union is the show. Jake Tapper's the host talking to Bill Gates about the pandemic. And Tapper says there's a lot of governors who oppose bringing back these lockdown orders and forcing businesses to close. What do you think? Bars and restaurants in most of the country
1: will be closed as we go into this wave. And I think, sadly, that's appropriate. The next four to six months really call on us to do our best because we can see that this will end. And you don't want, you know, somebody you love to be the last to die of coronavirus.
5: All right. okay. So we have a billionaire here. As far as I know, that's his only qualification. I I, I don't know what Bill Gates' qualification is to determine when we have lockdowns, who gets locked down, for how long do they get locked down, where is his level of expertise, and where is somebody on this show challenging this? He just gets to run around and say whatever he wants to say, and nobody challenges this. And what is he saying? We need... To keep closing down businesses. So. When did Gates become the expert in this? Why should anybody be taking advice from him? I know he donates a lot of money. I know he's got this foundation where he does mosquito nets in Africa and so forth. Does a lot of things like that. But. I'm reading some bloggers here. The bloggers have checked into him. He's not a doctor. And Gates is not a researcher. He's not a professor in any medical field at all. Yet, CNN and a bunch of other news networks very often ask for his opinion on healthcare issues. But he's not a medical expert. And they never question his reasoning. He just gets to pontificate, and it's because he's a billionaire. Can't possibly. That's what was Neil Cavuto. It was Cavuto who accused Trump of killing people by suggesting hydroxychloroquine. Neil Cavuto. That's exactly right. I appreciate the reminder. Anyway, here you have Bill Gates all over CNN. Nobody challenging what he says. But Gates is out there ripping into Trump's executive order that brings his America first stance to coronavirus vaccine distribution. Tapper then asks Gates, when we're going to get back to a normal life? This this is the next sound bite here. Tapper says President Trump signed an executive order. He says prioritizes distribution of the vaccine before it goes to people in other countries. What do you think of that strategy? I think we need to help all of humanity here.
1: The U.S. uh, has benefited from other countries' work here, and we shouldn't be entirely selfish in how we go forward. The extreme idea that everybody should die until we have the very last American vaccinated, that's hardly the appropriate response. Good
5: grief. uh, Nobody is saying this. Nobody is saying that everybody in the world should die so that every last American gets vaccinated. So, folks, this is classic. This is a classic illustration of people who are offended by the idea of America first or make America great again. Gates is a globalist, and he believes that the United States is not the good guys. The United States trends toward being the problem. So here he is suggesting... That somebody out there in this world wants to make sure every American is vaccinated first and the hell with the rest of the world. The hell with the rest of the world. And if some people die so that all Americans may get the vaccine, then the hell with it. That's not at all on anybody's list. It's not a suggestion that anybody has. And it's not who we as Americans are. As we have demonstrated over and over again, time and time again, when natural disasters have hit, we're the first on the scene Of all nations in the world. Now, Tapper asked Gates when he thinks we'll be able to get back to uh, some form of normal life. Gates predicts late summer. Late summer, we're going to get back to normal life. Well, how about the bar and restaurant owners that Gates wants to shut down for six more months? How in the world are they ever going to be able to reopen. They are going to be wiped out. They cannot withstand a six-month shutdown or a six-month lockdown. These are small business owners. Restaurants and bars are small businesses. They're never going to be able to get back to a quote-unquote normal life if they are shut down for six months like Bill Gates wants to shut them down. How are they going to pay the mortgages on their businesses? How are they going to pay the mortgages on their homes? Now, billionaires don't have these concerns. Billionaires are not worried about mortgage payments and other bills that have to be paid. These people that own these bars and restaurants, they just want to stay open. They want their employees working. They they do not want six months of a shutdown or lockdown. Gates said the next four to six months really call on us to do our best because we can see that this will end. And you don't want somebody that you love to be the last to die from coronavirus. Gates actually said, uh, you know, early 2022, unless we help other countries get rid of this disease... And we get high vaccination rates in our country. The risk of reintroduction will be there. And, of course, the global economy will be slowed down, which hurts America economically in a pretty dramatic way. <sighs> uh, I, this, this is obviously somebody out of touch. And that's, that's – I know it's, a, it's a, an accusatory thing to say because – You know, we kind of celebrate billionaires in America. Well, some of us do. Some people equate being a billionaire with being brilliant. And uh, that's not necessarily the case at all. But, I mean, Bill Gates says more shutdowns needed. Six months shutdown, bars and restaurants. That's the last thing that's needed. That is the last thing that's going to be helpful. Shutdowns don't advance anything; they just delay the inevitable. Anyway, I got to take a break, folks. We'll do that. Come back and resume with you on the phones. Don't go away. By the way, one more one more thing on uh, on on Bill Gates. Ted Cruz makes a really great point. He says that that all of the government class, and by that we mean the government employees, political appointees, everybody in the cabinet level. Uh, uh, departments, uh, virtually every government job, every, every person in a government job is getting paid through these shutdowns. Did you know that? Well, when we tell a bar or a restaurant, we're locking you down, buddy. You're killing the country. You're spreading the virus. You're spreading the disease. So we're going to shut you down for six months. We're going to wipe you out. We're going to put you out of business. Everybody working for the government gets paid through these shutdowns and lockdowns. All of the teachers are being paid, whether or not there are classes. All of the Democrat governors with their states shut down, they are getting paid. It is so easy for these people to shut us down as they pay absolutely no price for it. Their lives are unchanged. Same thing with Bill Gates. Bill Gates can stand there and suggest that every bar and restaurant needs to be shut down for six months and it's no skin off his back. Gates thinks it'll be next summer before the U.S. is close to returning to normal. So at what point are the rest of us going to tire of billionaires whose lives are completely unaffected, by lockdowns, school closures, travel restrictions, and all the rest. Telling us good little crawls that we just have to wait a few more months. That's former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson. Ted Cruz said leftists, a millionaire and a billionaire, discuss how they think it's appropriate to destroy and bankrupt small businesses across America. I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's... Halt all salaries at CNN and Microsoft. Let's stop paying Democrat politicians. And then let's see if they think two more years of shutdown is okay. That's Ted Cruz. Hey, if we're going to shut down, let's shut it down. If we're going to shut down bars and restaurants who've done nothing here, then let's shut down CNN. Let's just let's let's do the equivalent of shutting them down. Let's just cancel their salaries. Let's just cancel every payment they get for working. Same thing at Microsoft. Let's see how they feel about it. It's a great response from Ted Cruz. Here is Ladd lad in Brunswick, Georgia. We head back to the phones. I'm glad you waited, sir. Hello.
1: God bless you, Russ. We're praying for you. Well,
5: thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
1: Um, right now the establishment Republicans have a fatal flaw. They think the movement Trump started is going away and the party's going to revert back to the pre-Trump era. But the people who believe that there was enough voter fraud to swing this election are not just some fringe group on Twitter. I think it encompasses everyday Americans. And my point is that we need to let the establishment know that if they don't step up now in respect to the issue of voter fraud, then they won't have a job after the next election.
5: Uh, yeah. i <laughs> This is, you know, you're making it tough for me because I'm, I'm, I'm on your side and I'm with you on this, but that's not going to happen. The, the, the truth of the matter is that we have an entity that we're up against, and it has in it both Republicans and Democrats. And that entity has been called the deep state. It's been called the Washington establishment. It's been called the elites. And they want no part of Trump's base. They have no desire to somehow find a way to incorporate Trump's base in whatever they think the Republican Party is. Uh, they, they are content uh, to be a minority party, if that's what it takes, to eliminate the populism of the Trump base, the Trump voter. Uh, so while you're sitting out there thinking that the... Establishment Republicans need to come up with a strategy to find a way to incorporate the, the, uh, the Trump base, Trump supporters. They're not doing that. They're doing the exact opposite. They're trying to figure out how to be viable without the Trump base. They don't want the Trump base. The establishment wants no part of the Trump base. They haven't wanted any part of the Trump base since before there was Trump. And I it's it's um... all you have to do if you if you want to know who these people are is find the nearest never Trumper and just listen to them, read what they write, uh, listen to what they say, and you'll get a very good heads up on what they think of the Trump. I mean, these people acknowledged that they would rather vote for a Democrat. than to support Donald Trump or to find a way to build a relationship with Trump supporters. Rather vote for a Democrat. And they did. And they proudly, proudly said so. Anyway, we're coming up here on a break and I I, I uh, got to take it. Sit tight. We'll come back and continue on the phones. 800-282-2882 is the number. Sit tight, folks. Back before you know it. Greetings. uh, Welcome back. El Rushbow on the cutting edge of societal evolution. I'll give you an example. Never Trump or Steve Schmidt. Remember, he he was the campaign consultant for McCain back in 2008 when McCain ran against Barack Hussein. Oh, Steve Schmidt was the guy turned on Sarah Palin. And after McCain lost, Schmidt starts showing up on PMS NBC and uh, basically went to the other side now a never trumper he just said he just said that Trump supporters are like the brown shirts in Germany in the 20s and 30s this is what they think of you you're no different than the brown shirts in Germany in the 20s and 30s so folks if you're sitting out there thinking that the Republicans in the Senate or in the house I mean there's There are exceptions, but they're not very many. I think you can count on maybe two hands. The number of Republicans in Washington who remain fervent Trump supporters. There there may be others, but they're not uh, visibly public about it. And this is just, they're, they're not trying to figure out a way to keep you on board They're not trying to find a way to make sure you Trump voters stay with them in the Republican Party. They want a Republican Party doesn't include you. There's an analogy to this, and a lot of people are not going to uh, remember it because you have to go back to the 80s. But this is exactly what happened when Ronald Reagan left office after two terms and George H.W. Bush... Uh, promised the third term of Ronald Reagan as his uh, part of his campaign. But the fact of the matter is that the Washington establishment, if you get right down to it, folks did not like Reagan because they don't like conservatism. Mainstream establishment Republicans have never liked. Conservatism. Oh, they'll put on a great act, when I mean, Reagan was president. Oh, it was the greatest thing in the world. They all wanted to serve. They all wanted to be in the bright lights that were shining on Reagan. They wanted to be in the cabinet. They wanted to do this. They wanted to do that. But when it was time for Reagan to leave office, they were they were happy. It's about conservatism. Trump call it populism, call it populist, whatever, Trump was implementing a conservative agenda. He was implementing the agenda that never-Trumpers have devoted their lives to, and still they opposed him. So they're not calculating ways to find a way to fold you in with whatever Republican party... Uh, they hope to build. By the way, grab soundbite number 30. We found the audio. This is Neil Cavuto. This is back in May. May 19th, 2020.
6: A VA study showed
5: that among a population of uh, veterans in, in a hospital receiving this treatment, those with vulnerable conditions, respiratory conditions, heart ailments, they died. It will kill you. I cannot stress enough. This will kill you. Trump took hydroxychloroquine. That's what prompted Neil Cavuto to tell don't do it, it'll kill you. It's going to kill you. Now the AMA, the reason we're making a deal out of this is the AMA has rescinded all of this. The AMA has rescinded every critical thing they ever said about hydroxychloroquine. Do you realize how much money we could have saved? Do you realize how many lives could have been saved if this drug would have been free to be prescribed? It's a moot point now. But the safety and health of your family, why, that's crucial. It's your highest priority. It's one of the reasons why having a home security system from Simply Safe makes so much sense. State-of-the-art security system protects every door, every window, every room of your home with wireless technology. That means literally no wires, no expensive installation crew to install it. Simply Safe invented a way to do all of that with Wi Fi. And the elimination of wires takes all the complexity out. It takes a lot of the expense out. It's every bit as effective at protecting your family and your home, but without the expensive price tag. And it's simple to install. You do it yourself. The system components come pre tested and pre configured to work together. Sensors, motion detectors cameras it's all there for you to choose from and once it's installed once you put the sensors where you want them you have the ability to choose whether to utilize the 24/7 monitoring service or not at 14.99 a month you'll probably choose to utilize it no long term contracts not $50 a month 14.99 see the system take a look at it scope it out Buy it online at safe USA.com. Right now, you can save 40% off your system purchase and get a free HD camera. Safe USA.com. Let me tell you why the camera's important. Camera's important because if you install an HD camera and there's a break-in and there's a phone call to the cops, the cops can use that camera to see... That there's an actual bad guy roaming around the house, as opposed to it being a false alarm. When they know it's not a false alarm, the response time is infinitely quicker. And they're throwing in the HD camera El Fribo. Simply safe, Laura in Redding, Connecticut. I'm glad you waited. You're up next. Hello.
7: Hey, Rush. Mega and Ditto from the Constitution State. We're committing to con- conservatism daily.
5: Thank you very much. Great to have you here.
7: Thank you. Um, Your point in the first hour about Rachel Maddow's response in the interview is exactly the opposite of the truth. Your audience is bright and fastidious about reading and research, and we actually critically think. So you are the catalyst, and we do our own analysis, research, and follow-up.
5: That's exactly right. Thank you. That is exactly right. In fact, this goes back, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, to the the early days of the program. Uh, And it still survives to this day the the criticism that you all are just a bunch of my numb robots. That you can't think on your own. That you are tuning in waiting for marching orders from me. And that's never been the case. This program attracted a massive audience rapidly because this program validated what millions of Americans already believed, what millions of Americans already thought. They just didn't have anybody in national media saying what they believed. Then I came along and this program came along and they felt validated. It wasn't That they hadn't considered anything I was saying. They knew it before I said it. They were just ecstatic. Somebody was already on national media, finally national media, to validate what they believe. And you are absolutely right. People in this audience are among the brightest and the most educated, the most politically viable people in this country, precisely because you engage in critical thinking. You are the exact opposite of mind-numbed robots. The exact opposite of a bunch of sponges. The exact opposite of a bunch of people waiting for your Svengali to tell you what to do. And you know what? They know it. They know exactly who you are. They may lie to themselves now and then as they report to their own audiences. You know, I have, an, I have a bigger question than, than any of this. What is MSNBC going to do now that they don't have Trump? Do you realize how much of cable news is going to have nothing to talk about now that Trump is gone or allegedly gone? Don't get mad at me here, folks. I'm just saying that without Trump in the White House providing media fodder countless hours per day, they're not going to know what to do. They're going to have to cover for Biden. They're going to have to sing Biden's praises. They're to, and let me show you how hard that's going to be. Grab audio soundbite number 13. Biden did a speech last night. It was a train wreck. He couldn't stop coughing. He couldn't stop clearing his throat. The guy was full of phlegm.
6: We put together a montage of this speech, and it sounds like this. Once again, the America, in America, more Americans voted this year... <clears throat> Over 155 million, their votes counted. <clears throat> the biggest voter turnout in the history of the United States. Any ticket has received together, <clears throat> the Vice President-elect Harris and I received when they won in 2016. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or dispute <clears throat> the results. <clears throat> and yet, it's a position so extreme, never seen it before. <clears throat> you know, in this battle <clears throat> for the soul, we, the people, voted <clears throat> remains intact, and now it's time to unite, to heal. I will be president for all Americans work in front of us better than it ever was. We, the United States of America, has always set the example for the world for a peaceful transition of power. Thank you.
5: The speech was nothing but clearing of the throat. So how did... The drive-by media deal with this. We put together another montage.
1: What we heard tonight was a top-to-bottom takedown of President Trump, a forceful and full condemnation.
5: A pretty forceful argument pushing
2: the president even to concede.
3: A decisive rebuke to the efforts of President Trump.
2: There you hear President-elect Joe Biden offering a full defense of democracy, the most vigorous denunciation of President Trump. What really struck me about those remarks was just how forceful Joe Biden was.
4: He really drew a line in the sand. I'm taking names here. It was a very striking moment.
2: Real <coughs> passion and outrage as Joe Biden laid out all <coughs> of the challenges.
3: He was forceful <coughs> in sending that message to the White House and the present occupant saying, look, pack up your bags, I'm coming.
5: I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was not forceful. It was not a top to bottom takedown. It was not a decisive rebuke. It was nothing more than phlegm and clearing the throat and coughing. But you see, they have to overlook that. They have to ignore all of that. So what are they going to do? They cannot be critical of Biden. They will not be critical of Biden. They're going to prop Biden until, until. I'm going to tell you, folks, I think we're seeing enough information on the Bidens. Now, to safely say that Biden will serve at the pleasure of Barack Obama. If Obama gives the green light to Democrats to take Biden out, there will be ample evidence that Biden has lied about his knowledge, his family was selling his name and office with his permission, and if that's in fact the case, then there's likely unreported money that will be found. The fake news media will temporarily become hard news media if the decision is made That Biden has to step down. Until that time, they will be covering for Biden. They'll be making excuses for Biden. They'll be ignoring all the negatives. You wait and see. And then watch what happens to their ratings when that happens. Brief break. We will come back and continue after this. No, no. I really think Obama's running the show. Obama's been running a Democrat show since, uh, since 2016. He ran the operation against Trump. He ran the Russia sting, he ran the Russian coup, he ran everything, and he's now running this. And as, as long as uh, uh, Biden accomplishes or does what Obama wants, then he'll be fine. But I do believe that it will be up to Obama, Biden's fate. We'll see. Here's Kim in Kennesaw, Georgia. Glad you waited. Hi.
7: Hi, Rush. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm a Georgia voter here. I was proud to attend Trump's rally on November the 1st, waiting in line for 11 hours. It was worth every minute. My question is, without Trump, why would I bother to give these Republican Senate seats another vote? I voted for Loeffler and Purdue when I voted for President Trump, and due to the overwhelming fraud in our Georgia election system. My vote did not count. It's the same people running the runoff election. Why would I think it would matter then?
5: Well, let me ask you, uh, does it matter to you that the Senate be able to stop the Biden-Obama agenda? Or are are you of the opinion, you don't care anymore?
7: No, I do do care. but, my thing is too, even if we have fifty two forty eight we can't trust all our Republican senators. Kamala would be the tiebreaker for a fifty fifty vote then if Romney and Collins, right. for instance, I, voted with a Democrat.
5: I understand that, but if you lose these two seats, then it's 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 academic there's 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 no way you have no chance of stopping the biden Obama agenda at least with these two, if they win. There is numerically a chance to, you know, to require that the Republicans stay unified and, and so forth. Uh, it just, it's, look, as far as I'm concerned, there's no wrong or right answer here, so don't misinterpret my tone. I'm not, I, I'm not trying to be critical in the, in the way I ask um, the questions of you. I'm just, to me, that's what this is about. If you want to be able to stop... The Democrat agenda. By that, you want to stop the Green New Deal? Do you want to stop the uh, the way they're they're planning on dealing with the coronavirus? Do, do you want to do you want to stop the virtual takeover of this country by radical leftists? The only chance you've got is those two Senate seats. I know they're not a guarantee because the you know you said they could cave anytime they wanted, depend on the pressures that are mounted against them. But at least there is the possibility. Of stopping it if they if they are elected and I don't has Trump changed his mind has Trump said that uh, he doesn't care whether they win or not since that rally,
7: not that I know of. I just feel it just seems more hopeless each day. I have never not voted in any election since 1988, not even small municipal elections. But I'm sure I'm not the only one, especially here in Georgia, that feels like. You know, the Republicans are basically using us the way the Democrats use an underclass to keep them power, and they're not doing anything to help us. They're selling out left and right. Our governor ran on a platform that he was like Trump. He has not. None of his administration is. I don't feel that the Republicans are fighting for us. Vernon Jones, a Democrat, goes to the Capitol on the weekend and fights for us. But Purdue and Lawler are
5: not. Well, I understand how you feel. I, I and I hear this from people constantly that uh, they care about you when it's election time, and then after that, you may as well not even exist. Uh, but look it's it's up to you. I'm not I'm I'm not going to try to talk you into or out of anything. I respect your independent thinking enough as it is. But I did want to put the option in front of you because that's really what we're facing. I got to run, I'm out of time. Hey, did you see this? Elon Elon Musk says that electric cars will require a lot more electric power than we currently have. Really? Why, I wonder where it's going to come from. Details are coming up. Sit tight. Why are people still
3: on the fence about owning gold and silver?
0: I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts?
3: You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, GovX donates a portion of every order to nonprofits that serve the military and first responder communities. Your orders make a meaningful impact. You can become a member in seconds. Signing up is fast and free.
0: See if you qualify. Visit govx.com. That's G O V X.com. Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX. That's GovX, code CLAY, G O V X, C L A Y. Savings for those who serve.
5: All righty. Welcome back, my friends. It's great to have you with us. This is the one and only Excellence in Broadcasting Network. And I am Grand Poobah, the EIB Network, a household name in all four corners of the world. Happy to have you with us. Telephone number is 800-282-2882 if you want to appear on the program. Okay, so uh, I thought that I would do a keyword search. You know, I, after Bill Gates, I saw the Bill Gates interview. Well, I have the audio sound, but I didn't actually watch CNN. I, didn't actually, I, I heard that Gates had appeared with, uh, with Jake Tapper. <clears throat> Little Joe Biden impersonation there. And here's Gates advocating that we shut down bars and restaurants for six months. Folks, I can't tell you how this irritates me. And I, to, to try to explain it, I want to go back to March and April when we had the first nationwide shutdown that was put in place by President Trump because remember they, they had these, these computer model projections of two million dead if we did nothing. And so they they succeeded in getting Trump to shut down the country. So, because of my the, the the necessity of of seeking treatment, I'm traveling around and I'm I'm looking at the results of this. I'm seeing a boarded up country, and I I remember, I, I remember coming. To the program every day after I had seen this and almost breaking down in tears telling you what I had seen and how it was affecting me. I looked at these shutdown businesses. I don't care what they were, how large or small. And I saw a lifetime dream being destroyed. I saw people who had invested who knows how much money. It was just vanishing. It just irritated the heck out of me. This is not who we are, I was saying to myself. We do not run away from things like this. We don't, we've don't. we never shut down the country for a pandemic. We've never shut down the country for any reason at all. And yet here we were. And once it started, it was going to be impossible to put it back together rapidly. We're shut down for a month. It went longer than two or three months. I'm driving around. I'm looking at this. And it, it just personally, was, was ripping my heart out. And I became an advocate on this program for reopening the country because it was so unnecessary. We were literally destroying people's livelihoods, not to mention the amount of debt that we were going into by paying everybody to stay home. We were paying everybody to shut down for a while, so we're making it easy for these people. They weren't actually seeing their dreams vanish yet. And so now we're, we're, we're approaching $30 trillion in debt. Just mind-boggling. So here comes Gates. And apparently that wasn't enough for him. So Gates is demanding that bars and restaurants be shut down for another six months because we don't have any hope of normalizing until late 2021 or 2022. Now, I do not know how Gates is an authority on this, but he apparently is because people treat him as one. So I did this keyword search on bars and restaurants, and I found a fascinating story here from Newsweek. That, let's see, the date here is... I don't have the date. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Why, it's just four days ago. (gasps) Imagine that. Let me ask you this. What percentage of new COVID-19 cases in New York do you think are attributable to restaurants and bars? Because these, these entities are being held up almost as an enemy. When Gates... And the rest of these, like Cuomo and the rest of these people come along and point fingers at bars and restaurants, say, you need to shut down. Well, here is the number. Restaurants and bars account for less than 2% of new COVID-19 cases in New York. 2%? And this is who we're focusing on? This is who we're trying to portray as the enemy? Because that's what this is. Bars and restaurants, you guys, you got to shut down because that's where people gather. That's where people get together and they don't wear masks and all. And despite all of that, 2%, less than 2% of new COVID-19 cases in New York are accounted for by bars and restaurants. Now, during a press briefing on Friday, the New York governor, Andrew Cuomo, said that private gatherings account for the vast majority of new statewide cases, while less than 2% are coming from bars and restaurants. Now, bars and restaurants, though, we're being told that they are high-risk areas for the virus to spread. Yet they accounted for only 1.4% of new cases in New York. How can this be? So, once again, uh, we're being fed a bunch of misinformation. We are being fed a bunch of false enemies and false targets. For what purpose? Why in the world target bars and restaurants? What in the world could Gates' purpose be? At any rate, Elon Musk says that electric cars are going to require a lot more electric power than we currently have. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were going to have all the electric power we needed. With the Green New Deal, we're going to have brand new uh, windmills, and we're going to have solar panels all over the place. Except, no, those those keep getting shut down. Uh... That's right. Tesla CEO Elon Musk says that we're going to need more electricity to power cars like his. A lot more. He said electricity consumption is going to double if the world's electric car fleets are electrified. Increasing the need to expand nuclear, solar, geothermal, and wind energy generating sources. Uh, Elon, you have to know that we can't cover the needed electricity with wind and solar, it's not possible. Increasing the availability of sustainable energy is a major challenge as cars move from combustion engines to battery-driven electric motors. A shift which will take 20 years, Musk said, in a talk hosted by Berlin-based publisher Axel Springer. Uh, This has always amazed me. Where do you people that drive electric cars think the power is coming from when you plug them into charge? I, it boggles my mind. These people think that they are saving the planet, engaging in clean, renewable energy, when in fact it is coal that is charging the battery in your car. It is coal that's charging the battery in your iPhone and your iPad in whatever lithium ion battery device you have. It is coal evil, dirty, rotten coal and now Elon Musk is saying that there will not be enough electricity to charge all the electric cars we are on tap to manufacture well why well. Because these newfound sources, geothermal, wind, solar, ain't going to get it done. They simply do not produce enough electricity. There is no free lunch when it comes to renewable energy sources because they're not even renewable. You know what the closest we have to renewable energy is? Nuclear. But even that, not quite. Well, what what about the wind and what about so? Well, yeah, they're they're free, but they're not very efficient. And if there's no wind, you don't get any power. And if there are clouds, you don't get any power from solar. But mining, oh my God, it's so filthy. It's so do- yeah. But without it, you're not going to be able to drive your electric car. I it, it's it's. So much of the radical environmental movement just perplexes me from the standpoint of common sense and how there isn't any. You take a look at your electric car, you go in and charge it up wherever you do that, the charging stations, and you think somehow you're saving the planet. When all you are doing is is upping the demand for more coal. And guess where a lot of the coal in the United States power plants, guess where it comes from, folks? The Chicom's. That's exactly right. You wouldn't believe how much coal we import from the Chicom's. They've got it out the wazoo and we need it. And so we buy it from them. It's undeniable. Anything that requires batteries is going to require coal to power it. I don't care how clean you think that you are making the environment. Hey, try this. This is from the BBC. Here's the headline. The heat gap dividing a major U.S. city. The heat gap. Yes, my friends, there is a heat gap out there. It's in Los Angeles, and it's rooted in primary unfairness. As in many U.S. towns, historic disinvestment in certain areas of Los Angeles have created a heat gap within the city. You know what the heat gap is? Let me tell you. Poorer neighborhoods experience higher temperatures Due to a lack of shade. That's right. In poorer neighborhoods, for some reason, environmentalists have gone in there and cut down all the trees. There isn't any shade. There's no tree cover. Vegetation and shade are gone, and so it is hotter. In poor neighborhoods, it's unfair. In this case, poor and minorities, hardest hit because of the absence of shade. So the city of Los Angeles and several nonprofits profits are now trying to close the gap through a variety of urban programs. This is just more left-wing victimization. That's all this is, creating a new group of victims based on the fact that there's not enough shade where they live. And we're going to blame it on the rich. The rich are going in there and shut down their shade by cutting down their shade. And so the poor have no hope. They're sweltering, they're sweating, and as they sweat, they stink. And the stink rises and spreads throughout the city. And all because the rich have gone in and cut down their trees, eliminating their shade. Something new to blame on global warming. Rich people are cooler. Rich people can afford shade. Rich people don't have to cut down their trees. And so, it's just another way to make people think that they're being mistreated unfairly, unequitably, because of a new discovered heat gap in Los Angeles. Be right back. Don't go away. Having more fun than a human being should be allowed to have. Your guiding light, times of trouble, confusion, murkiness, tumult, chaos, electoral fraud, and even the good times. Here's, uh, here's John Eastern Shore in Maryland. Welcome, sir. Glad you waited. Hello.
4: Hello, Rush. Um, my prayers go out to you, and these days I'm not a very prayerful man, but I do pray for you, sir.
5: I appreciate it. Thank you very much.
4: My point is this: We have mayors and governors across this country either closing or limiting the hours of bars and restaurants, all in the name of science. Where is the science? Where are they getting this science from that says that's going to do anything at all?
5: I don't think it's about okay. science. I think it's about destroying capitalism. You can't you can't get more capitalistic than American small business, can you? I mean, that's the essence of capitalism. The Vast majority of uh, jobs in this country are produced by small business, not major big time uh, corporations and if you go after the small businesses, if you, if you if you succeed in shutting them down, then you can bring about the change over to socialism. You can exchange and 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 by, by blaming these bars and restaurants by blaming American small business for the problems that we're having with COVID-19. If you succeed in convincing enough Americans that these small businesses are the problem, then you shut them down. You blame small business as it is. That can then be said to be capitalism is the problem. And then the solution will be government. Government will come in and fix whatever happens. Government will make the, the owners of these businesses whole. We'll do something. We'll, we'll protect them. But I th- I think the objective here uh, is, is not science, and it's not to somehow save people from getting COVID-19. It's not to stop the spread. It is about promoting globalism and getting rid of American capitalism. Uh, This is the obstacle that Donald Trump was. Trump, his campaign, Make America Great Again, was purely rooted in American capitalism, revitalizing America, bringing jobs back that had been lost because of globalism, and he succeeded in doing it. I mean, more than anybody ever dreamed of, So now that they think they have gotten rid of Trump, now it's time to get rid of Trumpism. That means get rid of small business, get rid of capitalism, uh, and get back to the direction we were going under Barack Obama. We were headed toward globalism. By the way, uh, I mentioned Brexit earlier in a brief comment. Look at how long ago Brexit was voted on by by the British people. How many years is it? and they still haven't done it they still haven't exited the european union so it's it's the same situation here the trump four years was was rooted in reestablishing america as a singular nation that is the good guy in the world that American greatness is good for everybody, that America achieving greatness is good for everybody in the world. But this runs counter to what the Washington establishment seeks. In Britain, they were able and continue to be able to delay implementing the Brexit vote for at least four years, and they're going to succeed. Probably, it, we'll see how long it takes if they ever do succeed in actually exiting the European Union. And now look, this is something I think, yes, I did. I predicted this shortly before the election. Trump's economic miracles are being diminished. All of Trump's economic successes, all of his economic recovery, all of it is being diminished now by revisionists on the left. Here's a tweet from John Harwood. Alone among the 13 presidents since World War II, Trump will exit the White House with fewer Americans employed than when he started. He will have overseen punier growth in economic output than any of the previous 12 presidents. Now, this is an out-and-out out lie. But this is exactly—they're going to end up giving Biden credit for the virus, for the, for the vaccine. They're going to give Biden credit for reviving the U.S. economy. If you go back to the three and a half years of the Trump term before the virus hit— The economic output of this country was at a record high, and it was continuing to grow, and it was all Trump. And now here comes the effort to say, yeah, but Trump's legacy is what happened after the virus hit. The virus is Trump's fault, and now look. Trump will leave the White House with fewer Americans employed than when he started. He will have overseen punier growth in economic output than any of the previous 12. Now, thinking people understand what the pandemic did to economies all over the world. But here comes the effort to say Trump was a disaster. Trump didn't accomplish anything. And it was so predictable this was going to happen. They're just now beginning it. Let me ask you a question. How how much did it hurt Trump, the American Medical Association, literally lying about hydroxychloroquine? When Trump comes out, advocates it. You're killing people. You're going to kill people. Hydroxychloroquine is a killer. You're irresponsible. How much of that do you think cost Trump some votes? In other words, the AMA knowingly lying about hydroxychloroquine. Could you say that it's another form of election meddling? I mean, how many people didn't vote for Trump because of what they thought hydroxychloroquine would do based on what he said. How many people bought into the idea that hydroxychloroquine can kill you when Trump is advocating that you take it? You, you mean? And there are countless other examples of this kind of distortion of things that Trump has said that now all of a sudden, guess what? They're perfectly fine. Everything's okay. Hey, uh, for all the hours that you carry around your smartphone, all the hours you use it in the ways you do, it's probably not protected enough. Uh, you might have a plastic case to protect it when it drops, but protecting what's on that phone and all the communication and passwords on it, that's even more important to protect. And you know how you do it? It's so easy. It's called Norton 360. Norton 360, real-time software protection that protects your phone and all your other devices like it. includes your computer, your tablet, anything else that you rely on to stay connected. Now, Norton 360 has a VPN, a virtual private network. It is so cool. A virtual private network hides and shields your connection. Nobody can see your connection. Nobody can hack you because they cannot see your connection. This is particularly important when you're on a public Wi-Fi network. You can have a hacker sitting right next to you in a coffee shop at a public Wi-Fi network. He will not see your connection if you're on a VPN. And you can have additional fun. You can route your connection through any of 500 servers around the world to boot. You know, you'd be amazed at how vulnerable your cell phone can be. In a public Wi-Fi network, if your connection can be seen. But if it can't be seen, there is nothing they can do to you. They can't plant malware on your device. They can't put a phishing attack on it. They can't hack you in any other way. Norton 360 also protects your webcam. It helps you with password management and has a lot more. Now, no one can prevent all cybercrime, but Norton 360 is a great way to give you and your family the gift that keeps giving all Year long, You can connect up to five devices on one account. And right now you can save 50% off an annual subscription on your first year at Norton.com slash Rush. That's Norton.com slash Rush. 50% off. Okay, where are we going now? Let's see. Bill in Charleston, South Carolina. I'm glad you called. How are you doing, sir?
4: I'm well, sir. Megadittas and prayers, Rush. Uh, It's an honor to speak with you as a first-time caller.
5: Uh, Thank you much. Great to have you here. After
4: Trump leaves office is no longer the titular head of the party, how soon before the Republicans currently distancing themselves have to take the reins? I mean, what timeline do you estimate before the internal turf where to either retain the mandate for a backbone and double down on conservative principles or face being put out to pastures and let the rhinos own the death knell of the party? All right.
5: You've got to slow down. I mean, I've got to read what you said. After Trump leaves office and is no longer the titular head of the party, how soon— before the Republicans currently distance, distancing themselves have to take the reins, what timeline before the internal turf war to maintain the mandate for conservative principles or let the rhinos own the death? Well, uh, I who who with Trump gone, who's the leader? I wouldn't know. Mitch McConnell, maybe. <laughs> Well, that there isn't a leader. That's my whole point. There, there's there, there's nobody uh, that is. You might you have some guys in the House, uh, and maybe a couple in the Senate, but I I I don't know a name to give you that's going to pick up the uh, the gavel, the mantle of Trumpism, and try to run with it.
4: Do you, um, Lindsey Graham, Mister?
5: No, won't be Lindsey Gramnesty. Lindsey Gramnesty goes with the flow.
4: Um, I think I think it's time for someone to step up. We've got a power vacuum on the on the horizon.
5: Well, who would you like it to be? Who would you like to see step into the role of of uh, of leadership of the Trump movement?
4: Well, I can't be prouder than Tim Scott, again, keeping it local to South Carolina. I think that definitely we have great representation there.
5: Yeah, but is he a trumpist? I mean, is he is he going to actively pick up the populist message uh, in the absence of Trump and and be thought of as uh, the heir to Trump? I mean, if I understand your your question, that's basically what you're asking me, right? Correct. And the the alternative is that the rhinos regain control of the party, and we all know what that means. So. Uh, if you can if you can tell me if you can name for me somebody who is going to assume the leadership position now i every movement at some point needs a leader the trump base is going to it's going to stay it's going to, it's going to hold steady they are who they are trump voters trump supporters are who they are and they Uh, I I think they existed before Trump came along. Trump just had the amazing ability to galvanize them, to lead them. But people who believe in making America great, they are numerous. Remember, we had the uh, uh, research that showed that 95% of Republicans supported Donald Trump. It became his party. The Republican Party is the Trump Party. And I've heard people say that whether Trump is active in a leadership role or not, that the Trump base will stay. It will hold steady. But it will be absent uh, a leader. In the meantime, the Republican establishment that you talk about is going to be doing everything it can to, what's the word, eliminate or... uh, damage the power that Trump voters have within the Republican Party, even if it means that the Republican Party must lose with honor for a couple of elections. I don't think that the Republican establishment that you talk about wants any part of the Trump base, because the Trump base is, uh, in their view, it's a bunch of populists. And they don't like populism. They don't like that at all. And uh, they'd rather get back to the standing they had pre-Trump. And I think they're eager. That is the Republican establishment. Anyway, I appreciate the call. i got to go. We'll be back and continue in just a minute. America's real anchorman, America's truth detector and doctor of democracy. Sitting here behind the golden EIB microphone. And we go back to the phones. This is Brian in Salt Lake City. It's great to have you, Brian. How are you?
8: I'm great. Glad to hear your voice today. Thank you, sir. Hey, uh, quick point on uh, on uh, Bill Gates. Uh, I think that people think that he's like his software. You can just turn the country off and turn it back on again, and, and it'll work. Uh, but... Um, my point of calling earlier was that uh, I think that uh, Sleepy Joe had some, some brilliant ideas by uh, having uh, Kamala Harris be his VP uh, pick um, because uh, he knew that uh, there was going to be a lot of investigation of Hunter and that it could lead to his own impeachment, but he figures that probably nobody in the House right now, none of the mainstream Democrats are willing to pick it up because they don't want Kamala as, uh, as the president. And in two years, when the, when the Republicans take over the House, uh, they certainly don't want to impeach him, because they won't want Kamala to be the president. So I think that there's some, even though he's a sleepy Joe and he's got some problems, I think he either had some really good um, uh, advice or he thought that through and thought, you know, if I pick somebody that everybody hates, then uh, it'll, it'll protect me.
5: So... If I understand you correctly, you think that Biden, in a stroke of genius, uh, selected Kami, Kami Harris, to be his vice presidential running mate because he is aware of how much mainstream Democrats despise her and would not want her to become president. Therefore, he has impeachment insurance. You know,
8: I'm not sure if if it's his genius or somebody else's who's pulling the strings, but I feel strongly that that is the case.
5: What about this alternative? What about, say, Barack Obama choosing Kami Harris? Because Barack Obama wants a radical leftist to be president and knows full well that Kami Harris could never be elected president on her own. The only way to make her president is to have Biden choose her and then somehow get rid of Biden or let that happen naturally. She's the veep. She becomes president, never has to get elected, never has to go before the American people. And they've got their radical leftist socialist president built in. And it doesn't matter what mainstream Democrats think about it.
8: Well, you know, that's a that certainly uh An alternative, and and that could equally be as true. I don't uh, don't necessarily favor one idea over the other. Uh, It kind of depends on who's really pulling the strings. And if it's Barack Obama, you're probably right. If it's somebody else, then, well, we know
5: that, that Obama that. was pulling the strings for the four years of the Russian coup. We know that Obama was behind all that. We know that Biden was part of it. We know that Biden and Obama ran that show. I don't think Obama has given up any control over the Democrat Party whatsoever. I mean, how the hell does Biden become the Democrat nominee in the first place and then get elected president? How the hell does that happen? Of all people, Joe Biden who happened to be Obama's veep. That's it. Biden has never run for office successfully outside the Senate in his life. He has sought the presidency numerous times and never got past the early primaries. Now, all of a sudden, bambo. Not only is he the nominee, now he becomes president. And I I do believe, and I really mean I think that Biden serves at the pleasure of Barack Obama. We'll find out. It isn't. It ain't going to be long. Look, I appreciate the uh, the call. Here is Ed Venice, Florida. Welcome, sir. Great to have you with us.
1: Uh, glad to be on. Rush been a thirty year listener. Thank you, I'll sir. Get right to my point. Right to my point. With all due respect, I'm sixty one year old Republican, and I've listened to mainstream conservative media such as yourself and Fox News, and I'm fed up with all of you. I'm fed up with Republicans, and I'm fed up with the media that supposedly backs Republicans. Why in the world would someone like you give a forum during the summer to disc jockeys in New York City that dislike white people? And why in the world would Sean Hannity have Cuomo on his show talking about how let's all get along and go to Yankee Stadium and wear masks during this supposed pandemic? And not one Republican have I heard stand up anywhere on national TV, on Fox News, anywhere, and say, look, this election was a fraud. The Republican legislature in Michigan could have stopped all this. There's Republican legislatures all over the country that could have put an end to all this. And all we were doing was worried about rioting in the summer and COVID while Behind the scenes, what were they doing? They were figuring out how to win. Every time the Republicans will bring a knife to a gunfight, and I am fed up with it. I hope, Georgia, they lose. I want Democrats to run it all for a while and give these rhinos and everybody else, the conservative media and the whole show, give them what they deserve because they won't fight hard enough for the rest of us that Trump was willing to do. He was a man all alone and nobody helped him. Nobody? Nobody helped him, not to the extent that they could have. They wasted their time worrying about these riots in the streets, which were all a diversion, COVID, all this other stuff. And what were these states doing in the background? They were going, good, let them them do, we'll do the old rope-a-dope. Let them worry about all this. We're going to figure out how to win this election. You mean and steal that's exactly it, don't you? What they did. It steal it, win it, whatever. The Republicans should have been smart enough and had guts enough to stop this. The commentators like yourself, with all due respect, you didn't see the stitches on the fastball on this one rush. You got diverted just like everybody else. Oh, let's worry about rioting and whether blacks like whites and whites like blacks and and buy into all this defund the police garbage it was all a diversion the whole time they were accomplishing what their goal was divert everybody away and get Well drunk why out didn't of there. why
6: didn't you
5: call me this past summer and tell me this stuff then so I could have done something about it Believe me I tried I've been listening to you every day for the past 30
1: years and I was so disappointed in you and the other Fox News I'm fed up with them Juan Williams down in Brazil, the whole smell Hannity. I mean, you, you talk about how gutless it is to be a Democrat. Well, look at our party. If I hear one more Republican, one more Republican, oh, abortion, 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 support the military. Guess what? Abortion's a personal matter. It doesn't matter what the law is. And everybody knows you should support the military. What, are we supposed to feel better about ourselves because we believe in this? That doesn't win elections. It doesn't win.
5: Well, uh, yeah, but I have my own theory about that, which I have shared with you uh, numerous times today. And I'll have to delay reminding you of it because I'm out of busy broadcast time since I stood aside and let you have your rant because we believe in fairness here at the EIB Network. Well, that's it, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. Calypso Louie, Louis Farrakhan, by the way, calling the vaccine toxic waste. And white people a bunch of crackers if they're fool enough to take it. We'll have that and whatever else happens between now and then when we get back here tomorrow. Folks, thank you so much for being with us as always. Have a great rest of the day.
3: Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University, private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, govx.com is for you.
0: Use code CLAY in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve.